0: Hello and welcome to Co-Recursive. I'm Adam Gordon-Bell. I'm trying to find and share the the personal experiences of building software. I'm not really a big gamer, but lately I fell down this rabbit hole into the world of Casey Miratori and this project that he started on Twitch in 2014.
1: The videos are me just programming. They're not even good. I I mean, I'll be honest. I'd love to say that that they're amazing and that I'm really great, but they're not. They're, They're not. They're just... All they are is a regular programmer, you know, who, who does actual real programming work, right? <laughs> and so it kind of just
0: ended up taking on a life of its own. Casey's game programming videos, they kind of started a movement. It's a, it's a movement that in some ways feels like software development from the 70s, but, but in other ways it's totally modern and maybe points towards the future of learning or, or entertainment. I'm not sure where to start with Casey's story, but the basics of his approach, they date to this job he had in the late 90s. In
1: 1999, I took a job at Rad Game Tools. I was still a C++ programmer at the time, meaning I, I would still, like, if I was going to write a matrix multiplication, it would be, like, templatized on the size of the matrix, right? So, mm-hmm. so traditional C++ class hierarchy with inheritance kind of kind of programming smart pointers for example and one of the things that was cool about rad game tools is it was me and there were two other programmers there and and rad game tools is kind of legendary in that the amount of money they make per programmer is kind of staggering they they make they were making like millions of dollars a year and they had like you know three programmers or something and not (laughs) on weird like web laundering of money where you basically like you're you know selling ads to people like literally selling software like this is like libraries they're selling right Mm -hmm. and so you know the two programmers there at the time beside me when i joined were jeff roberts who has literally written the video codec for every game basically in existence almost in history like every game name a game the videos play back through something jeff wrote right from basically the year, like, 94 to today, right? Wow. Whatever the latest game is, you pick up. Its videos are playing back through something Jeff wrote. And the other programmer was John Miles, who's the guy who wrote the engine for Ultima 5 way back in the day. Uh, he wrote the Miles Sound System, which was the sound system used in most DOS games. It was extremely popular, still exists to this day, in fact, and is used by people in for sound. Oh, and he also, I think he, I want to say he also wrote the render on Win Commander 3. Cool. Anyway, so those are the two programmers who are there, and they are old school C programmers. And so, you know, here I am looking at this and I'm like, well, these are way better programmers than me, and they don't use any of this stuff. And, you know, I wonder why, right? Like, like why is it that, you know, you get some programmers who are like literally like some of the best programmers I've ever seen, and they don't use any of this stuff? Like, why is that, Right. And not only that, but like if you take Jeff for example, it might be argued he's a programmer who, like, as far as the video game world is concerned, I mean, it's it's staggering to think of how many games have his code in it, right? Because like mm-hmm. they all re- so it's just like looking at how impactful they are and and w- what amazing stuff they were able to do, and it's like, why am I using all this stuff? I, I, am I do I know something they don't? Because that seems unlikely, right? There's a little bit of programmery like. Like, I always know what I'm doing nonsense. And it's like, do you? I mean, why are these other people who are so good not need that thing? Right. And and so being honest with yourself, so you have to be kind of a little bit introspective and go like, like,
0: what's going on here? Did these guys like talk to you and say, like, why are you using templates or? No, um, it was just I mean,
1: you know, I am always as critical of my own habits as I am of anybody else's, right? So if I am like aggravated with some piece of software that someone else's, you know, I- I've had some famous rants about Visual Studio, for example, and how bad it's gotten, that dialogue, I mean, you-, you might be tempted to think that that is just me complaining about someone else's piece of software. No, that dialogue is happening in my head about my programs all the time. I always think they're terrible, right? And I'm always going like, what could I have done to make this less terrible? And so it, it only comes out of that. Like it was me just looking and going like, there's probably something to learn here. Like like incontrovertible, these, these guys are better programmers than I, I am. That's true. So one reason for that could be that, that I just suck and, and I'm never gonna get any better, so it doesn't matter. So just keep using C++ and whatever, right? Another possibility is that I could learn to be as good as they are, and I'm just not taking it seriously enough. I'm not trying, right? Yes, I'm trying to program, but I'm not trying to get better, right? And so Mm -hmm. what are things I can use to get better? Well, I can look at what they are doing and go, what about what I am doing is different, and can I assess if any of those are the answer. Because they might not be. It might be that they just happen to program in C and I happen to program in C++ and they happen to be good and I happen to suck. That's a totally yeah. possible you know, thing that could have happened there. But another thing could be that actually I could be good, I could be writing code as good as they are, but I need to learn what are the things that they know that I don't. What are the practices they have that I don't have, right? And so I always try to do that as much as I can. If I see something that looks like it's working well or that they're getting something done well, I try to go how can I reassess what I'm doing to see whether there's something of that that would make a difference for me? Because I want to be better. I don't want to be writing bad code, but you know, it's not always obvious how to improve. Did did you spend hmm. time like watching them code like Not in so many words. You know, I never walked into someone's office and was like, teach me how to program. But uh, I tried to say, like, what are the things I could do that would assess sort of my own practices in light of the fact that I kind of have some good examples just sitting here? Because typically, like, watching a programmer program at that time would have been kind of creepy. Like, I'd be (laughs) like, you know, like, sitting, it'd be like, Kilroy was here. Like, I'm peeking up over the chair, like a little Casey head, like, pops up. You know, so what I did was I was in charge of a character animation system and I wrote the first version and it sucked. And I was gonna ro- write the second version as like, you know, let me try, cause I started programming in C, not C++ and I had become a C++ programmer. I was like, let me try just going back to C cause obviously I know how to do it. Cause I, so I used to yeah. program in. Let me try going back to C and what I'm gonna do is I'm only ever going to use one of these features in C++, if I actually can demonstrate to myself that it would create a benefit here. And what I found was that literally the only two things that were at all useful were operator overloading and function overloading. Those are the only two. Everything else, I was like, yep, the code was better without it. And so unlike most programmers, I actually had the experience of literally taking the time to see do these features actually improve the code or don't they and i could actually test it because i like was fortunate enough to have the time and control over a project to actually see what happened and from there i was just like you know what i need to do that for everything i need to like actually start taking this seriously and stop just assuming that because someone else put something in a language that it must be good and when you change your thinking to i'm going to evaluate rather than I'm going to trust, what you start finding Mm -hmm. is that most things most people say are mostly wrong. And the reason for that is they kind of have to be because a lot of them are overlapping. So most of the time you see two different people suggesting two different ways of doing something, obviously someone's wrong or there isn't a better way to do it, meaning it doesn't matter which one you pick. Like Either somebody was wrong and one of them was the correct way, in which case there was one that you should have rejected, or It doesn't matter which way you do this, in which case they were all wrong for suggesting that you needed to do it this way. And so I think ever since that point in my career, uh, it's been about 20 years since then, I've just always evaluated things as carefully as I could. So I go, when I see a new thing suggested, I go, what does this actually yield? If I look at the difference between doing it this way and doing it in whatever way I would have done it before, And I go, does that result in less lines of code, less bugs, less time, blah, blah, blah. Like I go, can I make an argument along any of these lines? Uh, And what you'll find out if you do this, honestly, is a lot of the stuff is just, it's just a waste of your time.
0: Casey didn't just leave C++ behind. He also nurtured this sort of obscenely DIY development aesthetic that's pretty uniquely his. He doesn't use an IDE, just Emacs. He doesn't use like make or a build script. I mean, he doesn't use any libraries. He thinks other people should try this approach.
1: I think everyone should have the experience of building something from the ground up. Most programmers, no matter what they work on, would benefit greatly from having written one thing from scratch, meaning start in a fairly bare language such as C, don't use the libraries. Just write everything yourself from just basic things. Even better if you want to try assembly language, but assembly language has a bunch of things that you have to do, like register allocation. I'm not sure you get much learning from the ex- extra work that you have to do, right? So something like C I find is a really good language for doing this kind of experiment because there's so little in it, right? It's a very sparse language. It just has the few basic things. It translates fairly directly into assembly language. It's easy to go on Godbolt anytime I want to and show someone how C translates to assembly language. It's trivial, right? It's really easy to see. I think most programmers would benefit greatly from going through that exercise. Pick something simple, a simple web server, like a, a thing that just like answers non-HTTPs, just HTTP. You can write a simple web server in C in not very many lines of code. If you're a web developer, doing that one time and seeing how it actually works, I think would be greatly educational for a lot of people. Not because I think you should go rewrite your web server in C yourself. Because mm. that may be a very bad idea for you. It's, it's for your understanding. I think it's invaluable to have done at least one project from scratch.
0: Something that's very different from the current aesthetic in the cloud development world that you learn working on a game development tool is that developer ergonomics should take a backseat to performance concerns.
1: Yeah, I think there's a failure to recognize that it's not sufficient to simply serve ourselves is the, is the broadest way to put it. When you sit down at a computer, your first thought should not be, how do I make my job easier so I can go home earlier today, right? The thought should be, how do I make the best program for my user, right? Yeah. And when we fundamentally start thinking about how do we make it easiest how do we make the easiest possible thing for the programmer to program and we don't care that the thing that we ship the user is like a hundred times slower than it should be to me that's like it, it in a way it's almost dishonorable it's like i feel like i'm i'm being dishonorable by thinking primarily about my experience and not about theirs
0: so eventually casey leaves rad game tools He starts his own thing called Molly Rocket, and he works on some indie games. And then in 2014, something happens.
1: So I'm friends with Jonathan Blow, who is a very famous game designer. He made Braid and The Witness. He's also famously working on a new language right now called JAI. But he was doing streams on Twitch, the gaming live stream Mm -hmm. platform to talk about his ideas for making a programming language way back then. He was like, we need to make a new programming language and I wanna talk about some ideas that I have. I'm pretty sure that was the first thing that I saw on Twitch of anyone doing like a programming thing on Twitch, right? And uh, I liked it. And there were other people there who knew who I was. The reason for that was because I had worked on The Witness with John and I had written some articles like I wrote these things called Witness Wednesdays, where Ooh. I talked about some of the code in the witness and and how it worked. I did a bunch of work with collision detection systems because we were doing some novel stuff there to make it so that you couldn't ever do stuff like fall through the world. I don't know if you've ever seen like bugs in video games where people are trying to walk, yeah, and it, right. So we did some some pretty novel stuff in that game to make it so that that couldn't happen, right? So that we had like provably secure algorithms where you couldn't actually have these kind of uh, bugs happen. And so I'd written some of that up and I wrote up some other things and, and blah, blah, blah. So people kind of knew who I was who would have tuned into John's broadcast, right? It's like we 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 were sort of linked in that way. So when I was on the Twitch chat, some of the people were asking me, like, when are you going to do a programming stream? And I was like, I, I don't know what I would do with a programming stream. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. And so then in my head, I started thinking, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to have a complete recording of making an entire game engine just to watch what happens. Because when you think back about what happened when you're programming, your memory is far from perfect. Like you compress down things that actually maybe took you quite a bit of time. You overemphasize things that maybe didn't take you very much time. And so I was just kind of curious to see like, what if we just recorded this? Like, would it give us any insight? And so I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, maybe I'll do this thing where I'll stream just making a game, right? I'll just make a, a game. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like a little tiny game that was just like some sprites on a backdrop or something, right? Like pretty basic. And I mean, on Twitch at that time for a programming stream, I mean, the viewer count, if you looked in the, the equivalent of the like programming category You know, the numbers were like 10 people, right? And for whatever reason, and I have no idea what the reason is, the first episode of this thing got like, uh, you know, a thousand viewers or something. Oh, wow. So it was like a massive turnout
0: for this thing. That first lesson started with creating a text file called handmade.cpp, opening it in Emacs and compiling it. From there, you know, writing stuff into a buffer and displaying that buffer on a screen. Casey would live stream building a professional, commercial quality video game from scratch every weeknight for as long as it took until it was done.
1: And so it kind of just ended up taking on a life of its own, where I was like, oh, I guess I should start trying to teach like real stuff here to a certain degree and take this more seriously because it's like it seems like this is something that people actually really wanted. And uh, I'm surprised even to this day. Originally, I had my email on the Handmade Hero homepage. I received so much email, I had to take it down. Oh, People wow. were just like, thank you so much for putting this up. Like, this is so helpful. I didn't understand how to do any of this programming until I watched these this videos. Like I went through four years of university and I don't feel like I learned anything. I watched these videos and it all clicked for me. And mind you, this is just me. It, the videos are me just programming. It, it's They're not even good. I mean, I'll be honest, I'd be honest. I'd love to say that that they're amazing and that I'm really great, but they're not. They're they're not. They're just all they are is a regular programmer who does actual real programming work, not a theoretician or somebody who's pie in the sky and talking about you know solid principles or whatever people like to theorize about, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah.
1: All it was was just a regular programmer programming, and people being able to see that made all the difference for them. Because they're like, oh, I can do that, right? Like, I, I was having trouble understanding how the Liskov substitution principle comes into play when I need to, like, print out the number five. <laughs> Hint, it doesn't. Forget about it. It's irrelevant. But um, if you just focus on what programming actually is and not all of the crap that people have piled on top of it, A lot of
0: people can do it. In other words, people wanted to know where to start. A lot of people love video games and want to build one for themselves. So they would tune in. And on Twitch, there's a chat and people would ask questions. And in true Casey style, he would answer these questions from scratch.
1: So one of the things that people often mention about when they ask a question on one of my programming streams, I think the joke is I always start with the universe cooling down like first like the big bang happened and then I like (laughs) explain from there to the question that, right? It usually takes like 40 minutes. You know, someone asks about some CPU thing on a modern X64 and I'm like, well, you know, when you started with an 8-bit CPU, it did this, that, and you could see this here. Let's pull up a diagram, right? And so for some reason, I just by habit always seem to go back and, and sweep all the way through the history. I think it might just be how my brain stores things and it's probably just wasting their time at some level right but it also helps for doing things like instructional courses because there you're dealing with beginners they need the whole thing so working with a novice i i can be more effective i think usually
0: he also tried to explain the background on whatever was being done that day if the game requires sound we need to learn about how waves work if we need to do rotations then we better learn some linear algebra Did I mention he started in 2014? It's now early 2021 and he's still going. People are following along and they're building up their own things. They're using him as inspiration for their own games, for their own programming languages, for their own debuggers. If you pre-order the game, you can get access to GitHub where there's an annotated version of the source code linking to all the videos. I'm not entirely sure how many hours of content he's produced building this game, but he has about 700 episodes so far and they range from one to three hours. So conservatively, there's at least 1,500 hours of programming content, which is kind of astounding, right? I do not have 1,500 hours of content I can put out that I could teach people. It kind of makes me wonder how Casey learned all this. How did he get started? My dad taught me how to program when I was
1: seven. The way that home computing used to work in those days was that anything that was even remotely considered a home computer had BASIC on it. A lot of times it was built in. So if you think about very popular names of computers from the day, so Commodore 64, Apple II, these computers all had basic like in the ROM. So meaning when you turn the computer on, you don't have to put in any, you don't have to connect any storage of any kind to it. The the literal ROM chip soldered into this computer has a basic interpreter in it. And basic for people who don't know is the language that looks like you know ten space print quote hello world right that's that's yeah. basic, um, and so it's definitely it's a language that's really designed for you know people like like a seven year old like me it it doesn't have hardly any syntax it it looks more like a command prompt than anything else so you know you're it, you know like if you can do cd and dir you can probably put in a a, a crappy little basic program. And so when I was seven, my dad taught me how to do some basic programming. And that's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, you can imagine a seven-year-old, you can learn to type, you know, print and put in some words and then you, you know, go out and you just type to run to run the program or whatever, and it would run and it would type the thing out, right? And it was a super crappy program. It was basically a program that just said like print and it printed out like a thing for my mom. It said like, you know, pick one of the following options. And, you know, it had like one, two or three. And then if you type like one, it would print something. If you type two, it would print something Three, Like that was it. But it was, you know, it has all the things you need to start understanding programming, the ability to like print something out so you know what happened, the flow control of, you know, going to something based on what the input was, right? Um, and the ability to run the program afterwards and see it happen, That's that gets you started, right? And I, And I've been yeah. programming ever since, so.
0: Basic was definitely a simpler language than the languages we have today. And Casey thinks this simplicity of this earlier environment, it just made things easier to learn in a way that people today refuse to acknowledge.
1: If you've grown up your whole life and you learn to program in a simple way at a simple time, I think it can be very hard for people like me, for example, to appreciate just how much garbage today's beginner without a guide would think they had to wade through. Because where do you start? You don't know, you know, if you come at programming today, you don't have a basic interpreter on a Commodore 64 or the Deck Rainbow. You don't get introduced to programming's fundamentals. Let's take a simple example. You'd never even hear about go to. Okay? Mm-hmm. Go to considered harmful is just a phrase that we say, right? Yeah. And I'll be completely honest, I don't use go-tos in my codes, and I generally don't think you typically need to use go-tos in my code, so I certainly wouldn't sit around going like, oh, woe is me, where hath my go-to gone? But a beginner programmer should absolutely start with goto because that's what the CPU is doing. If a person fundamentally thinks that programming's actual that what is actually going on in programming is that you can map something over an iterator which is (laughs) nonsense it does it doesn't exist in a computer it's a it's a fictional construct we created because we found it convenient right it maps to go to when you look at the assembly language code there is no map over iterator right the assembly language has a jump statement And so one of the things that I think people don't understand, especially people who didn't have this experience, is that if you never teach someone what a go-to is, they'll go their whole life not understanding how a computer works. It sounds like a joke. But you, I mean, when I see the emails people write me, it absolutely breaks my heart to think about how far they've gone through life and the things they tell me that they were told or that they didn't understand, that all they need is just someone going, look, let's just take basic how a computer works and build programs out of it. Because then there's nothing wrong with mapping something over an iterator, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to know what that turns into. And giving someone the fundamentals of what actually goes on in a program for real makes it so much easier to understand all of these other things. And not only that, but they can see the equivalences between them. They can they can understand the difference between a for loop, right? And mapping something over an iterator versus a Lambda versus a blah, blah, blah. Like there's all kinds of related programming things that are going on. They all yeah. turn into a very simple set of things, right? Test, jump, basic register operations if you start understanding all of those underpinnings suddenly all of this other stuff just gets immediately demystified because you're just like oh it's just another way of producing this set of assembly code and now i can just in my head trivially decide which one of these things was better rather than going to stack overflow and asking a question of the form should i be using this ruby construct or that ruby construct to do blah and it's like you don't need to ever ask those questions, right? You can ha- you can learn to have the fundamental understanding to just evaluate these things yourself and know how you would investigate them yourself in a very little amount of time.
0: But like, I mean, I like the sentiment a lot, but like, <clears throat> I feel like I disagree with parts of it. Like, I think that Python is, is easier to learn than C. Like, I mean, it just is, right? And I think that like... Like I, I used go-to's in basic, but like I didn't understand that they, you know, were the same, I didn't understand that they became a jump instruction, right? Like, I mean, that wasn't important to my understanding of a basic program, I guess. Like, Well, two things I would say about that. It's not understanding that they turn into
1: a jump instruction, it's understanding jumps. So if you learn to program in basic, you intuitively understand that the computer is a thing that has like an, an instruction pointer in it and it moves from one to the next to the next and then jumps move you from, from wherever you are to wherever you're going. You don't have to know that assembly language even exists. Basic by its very nature, line number, that's instruction address, right? Go to, that's jump the line number you're going to, that's the parameter of the jump instruction. Your brain was taught without you ever knowing how a computer really works. And now when someone shows you a loop, your brain automatically maps it onto that thing, right? Yeah. And so when you come at something, having had a a more reasonable introduction to how a computer actually works and you build on it, that's so much easier for you to handle then starting with something incredibly complicated where it's very difficult to parse out all of the rules and what people are telling you and trying to get back down to that layer without a guide, right? And so in some sense, I guess I'm saying I had an advantage when I learned to program computing. I got to start when it was simple. So I didn't have to journey down i didn't have to start at python and eventually work my way back down to figure out what the heck was going on and why python programs are so slow right i knew that coming into it because i'd started from the easier place and it's just like it may also not be for everybody so different people may learn in different ways but the problem is no one was teaching it this other way so all Mm -hmm. of the people
0: who couldn't make sense of it all of a sudden they can does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. It's like, I mean, I guess you're saying I like to teach things bottom up. Let's start with base principles and let's accumulate our knowledge on top, like step by step. Is that?
1: Yes. A- and
0: <clears throat> and uh, another way to think of it is
1: let's suppose that you were going to sit down. Do you, do you play any video games?
0: I'm not a big gamer, you know. Okay. It's kind of funny for me to interview you, I think, in a way. Okay. So... <laughs> This analogy might not land, but
1: for any of your listeners out there who play video games, they probably intuitively know the difference between the type of game where you are handed a controller and like every button on the controller is mapped to some crazy thing and you go through a like hour-long series of tutorial levels where they're like, In order to distract the guard, hold down the right trigger and then press A and B at the same time, and then move the left stick to choose the location and then let go. But if you hold it for more than a second, it will, you know, everyone knows the difference between that and the game that just starts you playing and introduces those concepts slowly. So you start off and you don't have to distract the guards. You just learn how to move by like moving through the space. And then they're like, there's a guard up ahead and they're like, a little thing maybe says, hold A to throw something in the environment. And then you do, oh, I see, right? It would be very strange if that same thing that so obviously happens when learning a simple system somehow
0: wasn't equally effective when learning a much more complicated system. In other words, it's not harder to build something from scratch. It's easier. You learn C and a bit how computers execute code and you just start going. And Casey's there to guide you. Casey's trying to build the guidance system he wished he had. When he was young, he wanted to build a text adventure game, but he never figured out how.
1: The reason that I didn't know how to build a text adventure was sort of, was I always imagine that in order to solve a problem, it has to be solved well. I know it's a strange thing to say, but I always imagine that other people are solving a problem well. So when I play a text adventure, I imagine them having something when they built that text adventure, like their structure for the program and how they built it, If you were to compare in the abstract as a child when I was looking at those text adventures, what I imagined them to be doing under the hood, even though I couldn't conceptualize it because I didn't know. I mean, first of all, like Infocom, which is the main text adventure company at that time, under the hood, the most advanced text adventures of the time from Infocom were actually running sort of like a Lisp variant, right? And I don't even know. It was their own lisp basically they came from the ai department of mit if i remember correctly so you know i mean they love scheme they love their scheme over there and so lisp like languages are are big i i mean i didn't know what lisp was i knew what basic was so so i wouldn't have even had a way of conceptualizing even the language that they were using to develop these text adventure games but one of the things that would happen in my brain is I would just imagine that whatever their solutions must have been, they were like very advanced, right? Yeah. But in actuality, if you go look at the code, it's terrible and very primitive, right? And so even just knowing what I did, if I just said, no, like make it work with what you have now, your stupid seven-year-old brain that only knows basic, I could have made a little text adventure if I just really pushed myself to just no matter how ugly and not really solving the problem this is, just paper over it as best you can. And that would have made a text adventure. And and I wish I had learned that lesson earlier because assuming that that the thing that you're actually building has to be better than it really does is very limiting. Mm. I think a lot of programmers who are writing me these letters they're not saying thank you so much for teaching me how to program I program just like you and i watch all your streams and oh my god you're amazing no i i don't think that's what they're saying at all i think they're saying thank you for showing me how to start doing this thing and then i think they go their own way i think they're learning to program the way they want to program i don't think i'm really the i don't think i'm providing the the uh, programming education that way i think i'm giving them the opportunity for to have their start at this sort of more fundamental type of programming. And I'm super proud of that. And I'm super happy about it. I don't want to minimize it, but I don't think I'm providing any kind of like Swami programming wisdom. Like I don't think that's what's actually happening. I think I'm providing the, the, just the, the place for them to start. And the reason that I say that is because if I go back in my own history, the reason I never really wrote much assembly language as a child was because I didn't know how. I, yeah. I never had someone show me, oh, here's how you, here's an assembler, A, here's how you start writing the code that you need to just get a simple thing running. I would have loved to have done that, right? But I just didn't know how. And so to me, I think that's more of what's happening. I'm just showing them, here's how to get started. And then I think they, I think it's in them. It's not in me. It's not coming from me into them. It's in them. And they just couldn't access it. And I'm just showing them, Oh, here's the door. Let me open the door for you. And then they're off. Right. And they don't need me anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's like, uh, you're in existence proof that this is possible. That's all it's it like- is. <laughs> and, and, and that little bit of startup. Yeah.
1: Cause then they, and they, like- they, they, cause they're very smart. You can tell, you know, these people are, yeah. are good. Uh, they, they only needed me to show them that there was a direction to go in and, and then they're going, they're the ones who are going.
0: Yeah, It's not magical. There's not like wrong ways. You just like go at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they're going to end up programming much different from me. And you know what? I love that. And so I I do think it literally just boils down to that sometimes. It's just that mental permission that someone tells you like, no, of course you can do this. Here's how you get started. And then for people who have that sort of natural drive to do something that that's sometimes all they needed and you know i i guess it might also be something i would say as a word of encouragement to people learning to program who are older is that i can assure you that as a little kid going through it it just feels like growing up and you might feel stupid right now because you're not getting like a programming theory so it's like no that's just your programming brain is growing up and it takes time right it just takes time for your brain to like structure itself in a way that these things will work and so persistence and curiosity if you can just keep them alive
0: long enough you will gain that ability if everybody watched your first 30 videos so everybody who was (laughs) like wanted to develop software Mm -hmm. what would that change about them or the world so
1: the first thing i'll say is i don't even know if that's something I would recommend because you have to understand that Handmade Hero was something started on a whim. It wasn't designed for any particular purpose. It was just designed to be a record of a complete recording of how you program a game engine, right? And so it's not designed for anyone to watch the first 30 videos and get anything out of it. It was never designed for that. So my new project, which is Star Code Galaxy, is designed for that. The answer I have for you there is I'm trying very hard to produce my attempt at the first universal programming course, a course that basically like everyone can go into this and learn something about programming if they're not already like an expert. And what I think it does is refocus on those fundamentals, right? It's an attempt to say, what are the crucial things that you need to know about programming that are always true? Because what I see in a lot of course materials and educational materials, both for novices and intermediates, is they focus on learning something specific. Mm -hmm. And the problem with learning something specific is it's here and then it's gone. If I teach you how to use Angular, you know how to use Angular. And that's it. To answer your question directly, if they were to go watch 30 or 40 hours of Handmade Hero, what would that change? Really all I think that it offers is here is how a person who programs from first principles without libraries, without, you know, using a whole set of frameworks or that stuff, here's how they step-by-step bootstrap themselves up into a fully functioning system. Because within the first 30 episodes of Handmade Hero, we've got graphics on the screen, and sound, and controller input, and we've got dynamic code reloading. We have looped live code editing. You can like hit the record button, move the character around, and then hit the stop button. It'll play that back. You can go into the C code, change the C code, and it will change on the fly as it's playing That's back cool. the recording. That's all in the first 30 or 40 episodes, actually. So... What I think you could get out of it is, wow, this stuff is a lot more accessible maybe than I thought, because you can watch me do it in 30 or 40 hours. Get straight to that point. No SDL, no libraries, no boost, no Python, no interpreter, no JavaScript, no nothing, just
0: C code. That's what Casey brings to the table. It's directness. Casey does hate modern C++ and Python and and Visual Studio and, well, maybe everything. But his teaching approach works because he doesn't have to teach all that. He just started building a game and started answering questions along the way. Learning modern software development, it could take a lifetime. There's just too much to learn. And if you got into software wanting to build a game, then at some point you just might wonder like, hey, when do I get to build my game? And that's when you find Casey and he says, step one, create a text file and put a main method and let's make a buffer and we're gonna start writing things to the screen. So that's what I've learned from Casey. I'm probably not going to go build a video game, but if I want to build a video game or if I want to make a programming language or a database or, or whatever, the thing I'll remember from Casey is start with what you know and you'll be surprised how far you get, even if it's kind of ugly. So that was the show. I hope you liked it. If you did, please tell somebody about it or, or give me a review in, in whatever your podcast app is. I'm on Android and I use Podcast Addict and you can leave reviews right in there. If you're on the iPhone, You know, you can leave reviews in the podcast app or if you use Overcast, uh, I think you give a star and uh, the stars increase the ranking of the podcast, I think. So that's super helpful. But my absolute favorite thing is when people just tell other people about the podcast. I see people recommending it on Twitter or LinkedIn and somebody wrote a blog post mentioning it. And that's just my favorite thing. That brings me a lot of joy, makes me feel good about the effort that I put into this so thank you very much for anyone who does that. Oh, and I'm also working on the website, trying to add some professional transcripts, trying to put together a newsletter and just improving how things look a bit. So there's lots happening. This is Adam Gordon-Bell. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to place you on the like C++ language committee. First meeting's tomorrow. You get to decide the agenda. Okay.
1: So, so I'm in charge of the C++ standards committee? Yeah. I mean, C++, the the first item on the agenda would be to start a, like, whatever they have, a working group, a committee, a a subcommittee. I would start a subcommittee on carbon neutral ways to, you know, incinerate the C++ 1700 page specification (laughs) in a way that produces energy but doesn't uh, harm the atmosphere, right? When that committee (laughs) reported back, we would burn all the copies of the C++ spec And start over.